Welcome to the special edition of Home and Place podcast, recorded May 2019 in Brooklyn, New York, as part of the anniversary celebration for EDRA 50. That's the Environmental Design Research Association's 50th anniversary conference. I'm your host, Nicole Kane. For these special edition EDRA 50 episodes, we're shortening the usual podcast format of 30 minutes and instead sharing 10-minute interviews with lecturers or compiled micro-interviews with poster presenters. The response to this podcast was heartwarming, and I'm sorry I was not able to record all of the researchers interested in sharing their work during the conference. However, good news is that is exactly why I created Home and Place podcast, to share the amazing work of built environment professionals who have a passion for place. So if you're an Edraite, which is a member of Edra, send me an email and we can schedule a virtual recording. Visit my website to listen to all podcast episodes, see pictures from Edra 50, and find my contact information. Visit homeandplacepodcast.com. This episode was recorded on location in Brooklyn, New York at the Edra 50 conference, so please pardon any background noise. Now, on with the show. (laughs) All right. Hi, Lily. Welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited because we are in Brooklyn, New York right now. I know, and we're at the EDRA conference, the Environmental Design Research Association. And thank you so much for being willing to talk with me, and I would love to hear about your background and your professional path and a little about your research. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast as well. Um, So my name is Lily Bernheimer. I'm the director of SpaceWorks Consulting and the author of The Shaping of Us, which will be coming out in the U.S. on June 15th. Shaping of Us, is that a book or a movie? It's a book. Oh, It's awesome. a book. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess I'll tell you a bit more about that in a moment, but first I'll tell you sort of how I got there. Perfect. Um, so uh, I started out um, after college thinking that I wanted to go into urban planning. I was working here in New York, actually, on sustainable streets, livable streets, that sort of stuff. Um, I was working at a company that was um, doing sort of techie projects in that realm, like we're making websites for people to request new bike rack locations from the Department of Transportation. So I was exposed to user experience research and design, and I thought, this is really great, this is so important, How who's doing this for the built environment, and, and how can I learn to do more of that? And I found that there wasn't very much in the way of user experience design, per se, for the built environment, but this led me to discover environmental psychology um, and to go to the UK to get my master's in environmental psychology at the University of Surrey. So um, I then um, started SpaceWorks, my consultancy, to um, try to kind of bridge the gap between a lot of the amazing academic research that we saw going on, the evidence, the methodologies, um, and we wanted to just create um, a space where we were working to get that evidence and methodologies into the hands of designers, architects, developers, organizations who often are not reading those journal articles, or even if they could access them, might not be able to make sense of them. Absolutely. You know, it's that question of what is, what is important? Help me understand what's important from the research and how right. much Right, right. What does this mean for actually how we should be improving the design of this office or what kind of housing should we be building for the millennial generation? Those kind of questions. Do you have a favorite project you'd like to talk about? Yes. So um, I think my favorite project, which I will be um, presenting about here at the conference, uh, was with the British Ministry of Justice, who run the um, incarceration services and facilities in the UK. Um, I was brought onto this project by an architecture firm, Matter, 
based in London who've been looking at a lot of issues around how we can design more rehabilitative incarceration spaces. And this was the point in the project where they said, okay, now we're going to look at design. What can we do with the design of these spaces to make them better for well-being, both of the people who live in those spaces and also for the people who work there? Because people forget that prisons are workspaces. So we did a post-occupancy evaluation of the newest prison in Britain, Her Majesty's uh, Prison in Berwyn, Wales. Um, And then we combined that with our literature review and um, the architect's expertise around what can be done with building technology today to create a guide to well-being in prison design to help the Ministry of Justice understand simple things like, for instance, the way they lay out the housing blocks in prisons, the way they've done this for a very long time, sort of based on these outdated um, ideas of a panopticon where guards would be in the middle looking down all of the different wings of the housing block. That's not how it functions in reality today and there are much better ways they could be laying out those housing blocks that would mean people would have better views um, there'd be more usable outdoor spaces between the wings and um, also it would be um, simpler construction because it wouldn't involve sort of acute angles and so it could save them some money Oh, fantastic. So let's back up just a little bit. You Mm -hmm. said post-occupancy evaluation. I think some of my listeners won't know what that is. What that is, yes. So if you could explain what that is and also talk about the methods that you ended up using for this POE. Great. Okay, so post-occupancy evaluation um, basically means going into a space um, either after it's been in use for some time or in this case after it's been in use only for a few months. You can see, okay, we designed the space. Now people are actually in here using it. How is that working out? Think of it kind of like... um, Um, web design. You wouldn't just design your first version of a website and say, okay, that's it. (laughs) Go use it. Oops, there's some problems. We're not going to look at those or fix them or integrate them into our next design. So it's going back and taking the time to to see what's working and what's not working and feed feed that um, feedback back in. So um, we were a bit constrained in terms of the methodologies we could use by a lot of um, the rules they have about prisons. You cannot do any kind of audio recording, video recording, can't even take any photographs. So um, we did focus groups both with um, a variety of different types of people who work in the prison and with, um, they they don't use the term inmates there, but I'll use that assuming your audience is mainly American. Um, And uh, we, we had did sort of maps of the space and did a focus group where then people pointed out and drew on the map of the whole facility and, and pointed out where they saw various issues and, and where things were going really well as well. Um, and then we did um, what I call user experience uh, walking interviews where we had people with different user profiles, guards, um, you know, people who've been in prison for a long time, people mm-hmm. who've only just recently come into prison, lead us through like a day in their experience of um, their life life in the prison and um, tell us about what's working, what's not working, what they think um, could work better. And um, based on the the data that we got from those um, those first two methods, then we did a survey, which we were able to roll out um, through, they, they actually have um, their sort of computers not connected to the internet, but um, computers in their in their living spaces. And so- Internetwork? Uh, internetwork, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and job training, things. Okay. Like, so we were able to, to do a survey um, that we rolled out through that. Yeah. Yeah, I 
hadn't considered that, you know, not being able to record or mm-hmm. take pictures inside. So yes. it really changes the way that you're evaluating it, the space. Yeah, it changes what you can do and can't do. And, you know, it's sort of an interesting um, uh, sort of uh, challenge to, to figure out how to apply the research methodologies given those constraints. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk yes. about your book. Okay. And so what, um, I'd love to hear how this came about. What was the idea for the book? Right. And, um, and really, what can we find inside? Yeah. Okay, so um, like I said, it's called The Shaping of Us, How Everyday Spaces Structure Our Lives, Behavior, and Well-Being. Um, and it was um, really kind of an unusual way for a book project to come about. Um, I was sort of sitting there, minding my own business, doing my consulting work. This is when I lived in the UK, where I was for five years. And I got an email out of the blue one day from a literary agent who said, hello, I see you're doing some interesting work in environmental psychology. What would you think about putting a book proposal together? That's amazing. So yes, I, I was very surprised. <laughs> um, and I couldn't really say no to that. <laughs> um, so, um, so, so my agent, Kirsty McLaughlin, was really um, helpful in that kind of initial visioning process of, well, what would it mean to take um, some of these major areas of environmental psychology research and try to make them accessible to people who aren't even necessarily designers, but they're maybe, uh, you know, uh, office managers or teachers or just people who are thinking about how their house could be designed better um, and are interested in, you know, the sort of psychology behind that. Um, and she said, well, I see you've done some work on um, home spaces, and you, you worked on issues to do with streets and public space in New York, and then you've also worked on co-working spaces, so why don't you have a chapter on each of those things, which I never would have thought to do. I mean, most books, it's like you focus in I super, super right. specific, right. and so that was um, that was a, a great idea, also very difficult, because each chapter, you know, they were often based on like projects I'd done and, and other research I'd done, but still, it was a lot to to cover in one book but um, it looks at all of those areas and kind of connecting um, different strands of environmental psychology research through contemporary case studies and issues that people can relate to, like the housing crisis. Um, you know, what do we know about the impact of um, high-rise housing on uh, families, families, low-income families with young children? Is that a good place for people to live? And how do we reconcile that with the um, needs of uh, developing in a sustainable way today. Um, open plan offices, um, all sorts of things that people can kind of uh, relate to through their lives today. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm really excited to read your book. Um, so when is it coming out? So it comes out on June 15th, um, but I will actually be launching it before that in New York next week on June 28th with Open House New York, which is kind of like a public architecture festival here. Uh, we're doing an event at Rizzoli Bookstore. And um, then it formally comes out on June 15th, and I'll be doing another launch event in San Francisco on uh, June 25th. Oh, that's fantastic. If any of your listeners are there. They so, might, yeah. Yes. I, I'll miss both of them. <laughs> it's okay. Out. Not everyone can be <laughs> everywhere all the time, you know, yeah. Um, so how can they find out more about you and your book? Great. So um, I have a website. It's spaceworksco.com. Um, my email is lily at spaceworksco.com. I'm on um, Twitter, Instagram, at spaceworksco. Um, so they can reach me at, find me at any of those places. And very excited to connect uh, with anyone who's interested in, in what's in the book. And yeah. Wonderful. Lily, thank you so much. I'm really happy we got this time today. Yes. Thank you so much too.
Thank you so much for listening to the special edition of Home and Place podcast, recorded May 2019 in Brooklyn, New York, as part of the anniversary celebration for EDRA 50, the Environmental Design Research Association's 50th anniversary conference. I'm your host, Nicole Kane, founder of Home and Place Project. I'm an independent researcher and consultant focused on residential universal design and person-centered analysis of the built environment. My educational background is in occupational therapy, environmental gerontology, and I'm currently back in school studying community planning with an interest in creating aging-friendly communities. To connect, collaborate, or just learn more about me and my work, visit my website, homeandplaceproject.com. As we wrap up, I wanted to share a brief overview of EDRA. From their literature, the mission of EDRA is to provide a collaborative, multidisciplinary community to connect theory, research, teaching, and practice to recognize, create, and advocate for environments that are responsive to diverse human needs. EDRA is committed to equity, inclusion, and respect for all persons. On a personal note, I adore EDRA and feel as if I've truly found my people here. If you're interested in learning more about this organization, visit their website, edra.org, E-D-R-A.org. Happy 50th anniversary, EDRA. Where will the next 50 years take us? Finally, a special thanks to Delia of Northfield, Minnesota for composing and performing this original music. Take us home, Delia.